started in hard times to bring us all in into the laughter through thick and through thin for public power enthusiasts without and within roll on enthusiasts roll on. welcome to a special recording of public power underground live from the lounge at the NWPPA Power Supply Conference. I'm Paul Dockery. I'm Walt Mosnigesh. Yes, you are. <laughs> and I'm Dan Catchpole. Yes, look how easy that was. This is wonderful. We are... Uh, I, I did come up with a few interactive games for a live audience. This is our first time trying to do this with a live audience, which so this could be just an absolute massive failure, but luckily we have an audience, so we've at least cleared the first bar. What's the um, over-under on it being a failure or success? Do we, uh, do we have a line on I it? I don't know how, that I could put a line. Is it a okay. percentage? So is it like a 25% chance? I, I exhausted my knowledge of betting. Yeah, me too. Okay, so we're going to start with uh, an interactive game I called The Underground versus AI, where we compare energy sector analogies that we generated at Public Power Underground, and we're going to compare it to an open AI energy sector analogies to see if the underground is any good at making analogies. Then we're going to dive into sports analogies to electric markets with Arnie Olson and Laura Trelease, uh, if Arnie makes it in here, which he probably will. We'll go get him even if he doesn't. Um, in a continuation of our electric market enthusiasm series. Uh, and then we're going to close it out with... Yes, we got Arnie. Uh, we're going to close it out with uh, a segment inspired by Love It or Leave It's Rant Wheel, which is probably just a joke for Matt and I. Um, but he and I enjoy that joke, and we're going to enjoy it with some rant wheels. The next highlight from you will be reading a promo, because before we get started, we should, we should promote our, our presenting sponsor for this live recording. Roll on, enthusiasts, roll on. The presenting sponsor of Public Power Underground is the Energy Authority. The Energy Authority is a nonprofit company that specializes in portfolio management and prides itself on leading communities through today's energy transformation. Owned by public power entities, TEA is more than just adjacent. They're as underground as it gets. TEA is on a mission to help clients maximize the value of their assets while meeting their power supply goals. By providing expertise in energy trading, advanced analytics, advisory, and renewable solutions, TEA equips public power utilities with access to state-of-the-art resources and technology systems so they can respond competitively in the changing energy markets. With over 60 other public power utilities proudly partnering with TEA to tackle their energy future, it's time for you to consider breaking ground too. Let TEA help you navigate the uncertain future of our industry by visiting TEAINC.org to learn more. That's TEAINC.org to learn more today. Roll on, enthusiasts, roll on. Yes, that's right. Thank you. Let's do it. Yes. Oh, no, I turned the volume down. There it is. I turned the volume down. Now we got it. Okay. You're going to try to do the letter? Yes, do it. So I think that... The underground is at its best when we do analogies, but like I mentioned, the question is whether we actually do analogies well at all. So in this segment, we're pitting analogies from the underground against open AI. Anybody else here heard of open AI? It's this open source artificial intelligence chat. Matt's on it. He's on Energy Twitter. Arnie, have you seen it on Energy Twitter yet? Yes, he has. He knows what we're talking about. Uh, to make it interactive, we're going to need a volunteer from the audience, preferably a volunteer who is familiar with the hit television sh- movie, Encanto, the hit television show, Bluey, 
and Lord of the Rings intellectual property. So I need a volunteer to come forward. Oh, we have a volunteer. What do we know? Hello, please, please introduce yourself for all of us. Uh, I'm, I'm Doug Gilmore from Flathead Electric, and I've got two out of three. So is that good enough? That's good enough. Okay. That's good enough for, for what we're doing. Okay, so why are you here? Why are you here? Flathead Electric. Why you... Learning about power supply. That's a perfect It's important. A lot of growth in the Flathead Valley. That's perfect. Okay. So Almaz and Dan are going to read analogies comparing various characters or character arcs from the show. Your job is to identify which was the analogy that we used on Public Power Underground and which was generated by AI. That makes sense? I probably did a little too no, much. No, that, that makes here. sense. Uh, let, can I just do a first plug for my wife? She's been trying to get me to watch Bluey for a long time. Yes, so, she is right. Yeah, so yeah, she is right, as she usually is. So she'll be very uh, delighted to find that I haven't listened. Yeah, no, but now you'll know to listen. But now I'll know to listen. Yes, and now you'll be publicly shamed for yeah, disagreeing exactly. with her, which is also a benefit very of doing this right Very powerful tool. Here. Yes, yeah. exactly. Perfect. Uh, so, Almaz, you've got the first one. Can you take it away? Okay. If Ferk were a character from the, t- from the TV show Bluey, Ferk would be Calypso, the teacher at Bluey's school who is tasked with organizing and juggling a bunch of puppies with wildly different personalities. Bluey would be NERC, an organization that provides rules for reliability in the United States under the purview of Ferk. And Bluey's sister, Bingo, would be analogous to the free-spirited and creative national labs under the purview of the Department of Energy. Excellent. That was a really good job, Omaz, reading through that. I understand you know nothing about Bluey. Not a single thing. You did a really good job. That makes two of us. Oh, yeah. So that's the first analogy. Dan, you've got the second one. You ready? I am. Are you ready, Doug? You look ready. Uh, Yeah. All right, let's do this. If Bandit Healer... Were a regional transmission organization or independent system operator, he would be the Mid-Continent Independent System Operator, also known as MISO, which is a regional transmission organization serving the Midwest and parts of Canada. MISO works to ensure to ensure reliable electricity is provided to its members and customers while also managing and planning for the future of the region's energy resources. It's also known for its innovative solutions to power challenges. Which is a quality that Bandit Healer would likely appreciate. Okay, Doug. So your job is to figure out which of those two analogies came from the underground and which came from OpenAI. So I, I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller. I know that you like the MISO quite a bit, and so I've, I'm leaning I'm leaning MISO a little bit. I've seen a lot of MISO references, but at the same time, the, uh, the FERC reference was very good. I mean, it was a very good analogy. AI is very good. So, uh, what is your what is your answer? What's my answer? Uh, Ferk five, per five hundred, Alex. For for which one? You have to associate which one's Ferk. The uh, the the first one, the one that Almaz read. Yeah, but what is that? Was that the underground or AI? Oh yeah, I'm saying that that is underground. That's yes, the real it is. One. That's right. Yes. yes, you got it right. You got the first one right. Well done. Well done. We have. Uh, one of the people that were on was on that episode, Matt Shretnik. You probably remember that right away. Uh, that was my analogy. Uh, helped along by Katie Mapes, who was on that episode, the administrative law judge for the Oregon PUC. It was a great episode. Um, and you probably didn't hear it, but that's fine. The AI was also good. Okay, so uh, now not, we're... But we're you're gonna, not bitter, so that's okay. I am actually not at all. <laughs> I, I am surprised every time anyone listens to the podcast, quite frankly. Okay, Dan, you got the next analogy. Take it away. All right. 
Uh, if the characters from Encanto were electric market... Oh, man, I, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> you can read, Dan. I believe I, you can read. <laughs> You're a journalist. I, I, <laughs> let's, we'll get there together. If the characters from Encanto were electric markets in the United States, Weck would be su- comprised of the three children of Peppa and Felix Madrigal. Dolores, the oldest child with exceptional hearing and a crush on Mariano Guzman, would be analogous to Kaiso. The shape-shifting middle child, Camilo, would be the Southwest bilateral market, and the nature-loving youngest of the family, Antonio Madrigal, would be Northwest bilateral markets. Have you watched Encanto? Can I ask a question? You sure can. Are we going to talk about Bruno? We don't talk about Bruno. (laughs) Well played. Well played. Okay. Bruno is seen. The Southeast Energy electric market. I believe Bruno is seen. That is something I... I'm not going to give you a clue, though. Uh, Amaz, you got the next one. Opinions vary on which U.S. wholesale electric market the nine members of the Fellowship of the Rings would be. But it seems pretty definitive that Gandalf would be ISO New England and Peregrine Took would be the Southeast Energy Electric Market. Samwise Gamgee would either be the Western Bilateral Market or SPP. And while opinions differ, it seems pretty clear that Boromir is ERCOT. Um, That seems pretty clear to me, actually. That seems pretty clear to me. Artie's laughing. I already got Artie. He's a fan of the show already. He's never listened. He's already a fan of the show. Uh, So you're up, Doug. What do you you think? Which one was AI and which one was the underground? I'm going to say that Lord of the Rings was AI. Oof, that is that is incorrect. They're actually both from the underground. <laughs> yes, yes. So, 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 so oh, yeah. wow. Yes, I mean, That's... we never said it was fair. But you did win. Congratulations, you won the game. Well done, Doug. Well done. We need, we need another contestant. We're doing this one more time. We need another contestant. Hopefully someone this time who's familiar with Schitt's Creek, Ted Lasso, and Netflix holiday specials. I need a volunteer. Someone please volunteer. I did not plant a volunteer for this one. So one of you has to volunteer. This is real. No one's doing it. Based on that, I I can have my wife call and nobody raised their hand, too, based on that. What's that? I said if nobody raised their hand, I could have had my wife call in based on the... Oh, she's a big fan of the the trifecta, Shits Creek, Ted Lasso, and Netflix holiday specials? Yes. Okay, that's perfect. A lot of terrible Netflix holiday specials. Well, I mean, we... Not... Let's not put a value judgment on it, okay? I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I'm uh, comfortable with value I enjoy, judgments. I enjoy many Netflix holiday specials. Okay, Should so, I go sit down? Or? No, <laughs> no, please. Who are you and where are you from? Hi, I'm Matt Shretnik. I'm from that chair right back there. Uh, I work with Northwest Requirements Utilities. Northwest Requirements Nice, nice. Welcome, Matt. Nice to have you here. This is wonderful. It's very nice to be here, Paul. Okay, so you get the basic idea of what we're doing here. I, I, Doug, thank you. Yeah, um, he did great. He, he showed us the ropes. I think we're good to go. Really set a high bar for you, Matt. I, well, and I'll I, do my best. Just going to step over it. Okay. I think, Dan, you've got the first prompt. I, all right. Let's go. A Netflix special called Power On, A Christmas Tale. Starring Hugh Jackman as Sam, the CEO of a public power utility, struggling to meet the resource adequacy requirements for the holiday season. And Emma Stone as Emily, a resource specialist determined to help Sam find a solution to the energy crisis. As Sam and Emily work together to find a way to make sure the town has enough power for the holidays, they learn the true power of giving. 
That's good. That's really good. That's really good. I'd watch that movie. Yeah, I, I would. Too. I'd watch that movie. Okay, Almaz, what's up? What else you got? Uh, it's, I, I don't think I watch enough TV because none of this makes sense. Don't to make me, a value but, judgment um, on that. So here, here we go. A movie called The Electric Miracle, A Christmas Story, starring Jennifer Aniston as Mary, a young engineer determined to save her small town from an energy crisis, and Will Ferrell as Bill, the CEO of the electric utility determined to make sure the town has the electricity it needs for the holidays. When Mary and Bill are forced to work together to find a solution to the energy crisis, they discover the true meaning of the season. Wow. I'd watch that one, too. I really would, Matt. Would you watch either of them? No. What, what was the question again? <laughs> which one of those prompts is AI and which one's the underground? They're both AI. That's right, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you knew. It's like you knew and you listened. That's well done, Matt. Well done. Okay. Well, next up. Next up. You ready for the next one? We have GIFs. GIFs interpret, some say GIFs, uh, and reinterpreted as energy. You may, ah, you volunteered, so you're going to get to win this one, I think. Uh, reinterpreted as uh, uh, energy-inspired themes. Okay? You got the first one, Dan. You ready? Uh, mine, mine says prompt two, but okay. Yeah, this is the second for him. Oh, right. Yeah. I can, okay. It wasn't great labeling. I did give you note cards, though. <laughs> you did. It wasn't great labeling, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, you got the first one. Okay. Ted Lasso smells potential legislative change coming. Moria Rose thinks the West is ready for a resource adequacy program. FERC is networking on interregional transmission planning. And imagine a gif of Moira Rose saying, I'm networking. Uh, I had a, there was going to be a presentation, but I didn't make it. Visual humor. Yeah. The gifts may not work without on the, the visual format, <laughs> yeah. but we're going with it anyway. Okay. We're just going to do it. Okay, and you get the last yeah, one. Yeah, okay. Let's let's go for the non-visual gifts here. Yes, it's absolutely perfect. <laughs> Doctor Fieldstone wants us to face the truth of how hard transmission expansion is going to be. You know which one it is. Yeah. Crystal knows which one it is. <laughs> Crystal was also there when we did this uh, with Elliot Mainzer. Do you remember which one wasn't included in the gift set? The, this is great no, radio. No, I don't. Yeah, radio. this is. This is. Everybody loves dead air. Um, it, was yes. one, it was one of the Shit's Creek ones, but I can't remember which one. Yeah. Um, Crystal, you know. You it was, was Moira. Yeah, it was Moira. Yeah, well, that was one of them that was the underground. There's that only one, one that isn't. Yeah, I don't, it's, Paul, it's I don't remember one. which. Could you tell me? It's the FERC networking okay. on interregional. The, I'm a visual learner, and yeah. this is just really hard for me. Yeah, really messed up on not including <laughs> the video. Visuals. Okay. Uh, Congratulations, you won the game. Did I, what do I win? Yeah, just, Sorry, Doug. Just being a winner. It's, oh. uh, you won. Doug, no, Doug also won. There are no, no losers okay. on Public Power Underground. Why would I have a loser on Public Power Underground? We don't, we don't all have an itching need to be declared the winner. Uh, okay, so we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about sports analogies, like I promised earlier, and we're going to do it with Laura and Arnie, and it's going to be awesome. But first, we've got to change some seats. So thank you, Almaz and Dan, and you'll come back. Please come back. It's going to be wonderful. Roll on, enthusiasts, roll on. Public Power Underground is brought to you by NWPPA. 
The Northwest Public Power Association believes in the power of training and education. Every year, more than 6,500 public power employees learn and network at our classes, webinars, workshops, and conferences. NWPPA offers more than 200 event, 250 events, wowzer, to choose from in areas such as leadership, engineering, operations, accounting, and finance, communications, and many more. Sometimes this very podcast, Public Power Underground, is broadcast live from one of our events. We call that being more powerful together. What will you learn this year? Find an event that's right for you at nwppa.org forward slash catalog. That's nwppa.org forward slash catalog. We're back and in the in the fifth installment of season four's electric market enthusiasm series, we attempted, Laura and I, along with some others, attempted some sports league analogies for electric market design elements with Carrie Simpson and Jeff Spires. I loved it. And I said on that podcast that as long as one other person enjoyed it, it was a success. My Still mom not clear listened if it's a- to it. I think my mom listened to okay. it. Okay. So it was, in fact, a success. There we go. Um, so we're doing it again. Um, you must have enjoyed it, too, because you're back. So Laura Trelease is a senior market design and policy analyst for TEA. And this time, Laura and I are joined by Arnie Olson, a senior partner at E3. Thanks for doing this with us. Thank you. Are these my notes here? You can use those as notes. I don't think they'll help you. My, my strategy notes. my strategy, since Arnie has like five degrees from all over the U.S. and France is if I get stumped, I'll just pose a question to Arnie. That's so. also my strategy. So, Arnie, I think this is all relying on you. I didn't know that I was even allowed. I'm not sure about this. You're not sure? Now you're questioning whether you really want to do this. But you're already up here, so it's fine. Um, so I have, uh, I've got like a few theories about the analogies. Um, we talked about one of them earlier, which is the transition from bilateral to centrally dispatched markets. Or like, uh, it's actually Carrie Simpson's analogy from the episode, uh, like comparing a pickup game to a, an organized uh, basketball game. So we're going to go through four of these analogies, and we're just going to figure out where they could be better or how good they can be. Um, We're going to do this in 20 minutes, so uh, maybe I need to read fast? I don't know. Okay. First, I think resource planning is analogous analogous to roster management. Just like a good portfolio of power supply includes a diverse set of resources to meet the utility's electric needs, a good roster has more than five point guards. Roster management takes a lot of forms. Some resources are drafted, as in greenfield development, right? Um, Some are gotten through free agency, maybe like a PPA, something like that, okay? And some players you have special access to because you were there from the beginning, i.e. bird rights uh, and preference power. Or maybe I think before we did, uh, uh, man, I'm spacing on it. Sometimes it's hard to do this live because you forget things. So we'll move on. Um, so uh, this, this like framing that resource portfolio management is like that you're uh, – I'll read it off. Roster management. Um, any, any takes on it? Is this good? Is it bad? Any, any thoughts? So, so wh- wh- where do the birds fit in? The bird rights, Larry Bird and the NBA. If you oh, if you are yeah. if you got drafted by the team, you get rights to sign them uh, and pay them more than any other teams can do. Franchise tag was the word I was thinking oh, of before. Okay. It's like it, you have this special access, and it's like a preference right to federal. Uh, federal I'm sorry, can we do baseball instead? I really. Oh yeah, we can baseball. do. I don't know baseball, but you can do baseball, and I won't correct you. How about that? Okay. 
So yeah. in baseball, it's called the reserve clause. If you drafted the player, then you have the rights to them for six years. So that's a yeah. bit like, yeah, like that. Or like a resource that comes off a PPA, then they can become a free agent and you can decide whether you want to resign them or not. Yeah. No, I, I think that I think the analogy works on, on a lot of levels because you need a diverse portfolio of resources as well. You can't get all players that play the same position. You don't want them all to be the same age. In baseball, you might want some that are left-handed, some that are right-handed, some that play multiple positions. You need some pitchers, some relief pitchers, closers, left-handed, right-handed. I think it works. So I had a question for Arnie. Um, Already? <laughs> yeah, we're doing it. From the, from the get-go. But, you know, we've been talking about, like, individual resource planning and all that and moving to a resource adequacy standard where we do, you know, planning year ahead in a similar fashion. And we have requirements now and, and counting of capacity. So, you know, how does that fit in? How does that fit in with baseball or Well, you know, uh, or, yeah. well, players can get injured, right? Okay. Can, yeah, and they power can. plants can go out of service, right? Power plants can have forced outages. So if you don't have a resource adequacy construct, then you can only look to your own roster. You have to have enough players on your uh-huh. own roster that you can field a team, no matter how many of them get hurt at the same time. So is this like in-season free, like in-season trades? Well, yeah. I mean, in fact, it's like real-time trades. I can get a guy from the other team because my second baseman you know, got sick this morning. I need one. I can go pay the other team for their second baseman play for me today. Oh, wow. And go back to the other team tomorrow. There are there are leagues like that though. That's a rare thing. Well, there should be. There should be. Okay. That will be fun. One of the questions I had was was we have this resource adequacy metrics, um, but I'm I'm struggling to see the analog to sports because in some ways, it, you don't have a metric like a gen, a general manager of a sports franchise. Um, can choose what he wants to do with his portfolio, right? If he doesn't want to have a third baseman, he could choose not to. Whereas in a resource adequacy frameworks, I guess maybe you could and you just pay a massive penalty, which is what the general manager is choosing. What, 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 help me out with that kind of phase of it. Because like, I have a portfolio of resources, and that's like a full roster of people, but then metrics around requirements to carry people. Well, I mean, first of all, I'm pretty sure you do need a third baseman. You could play your second baseman. You could play your shortstop there, I guess. Okay, but then then they become a third baseman. That's true. You kind of need somebody at third base. You need maybe. somebody at third you base. You maybe not. I don't know. Do you need somebody at third That's base? Or you could I lose, right? Shift. You could probably you know <laughs> yeah. put some all over on one side. You could lose the game. Yeah, well, maybe the difference is there's not a, a societal consequence if your team doesn't have a third baseman. It's kind of all on you. You, know, you just kind of messed up. Okay. And you suffer the consequences, whereas in our electricity industry, everyone suffers the consequences if one person didn't feel a third baseman. That's a, that's a, and that that's ground ball went right down in the left field corner, and the runner came around from first base to score the winning run. We all lose. We all lose. We all lose. That's actually a good differentiation between, and so that is where my sports analogy breaks down. So... You know, we tested the limits of that analogy. Well, but no, the sports analogy helped us to understand something. Yes, right? So go. that's what they're for. That's, that's supposed to be perfect. Yes, that's exactly right. Okay, so I have another one. Uh, second, the game, the actual score game in sports, is analogous to the real-time market. So it's ultimately what measures uh, success or failure, and different rules, as in different price formation and market designs, can lead to various rosters being failures or champions. Okay, security constrained economic dispatch is like a coach calling plays during the game. It's incredibly important and ultimately decides each individual player's stats and how that rolls up to the overall game score. What do you think? I mean, I like it. 
especially for the economic dispatch part, right? Where you're thinking about, okay, the coach, calling the plays, getting the right players and the right at the right time in the game. But I've been trying to think about security constrained and what does that mean? So in markets, you're talking about this optim, you know, this big robot, the the market optimizer that's thinking through all the constraints on the resources, the ramp rates, outages, things like that. So you know, how does that that work? I guess it's sort of like the coach knows the strengths and weaknesses of the of the players and what their limits are. And if if a player sprains their ankle in the middle of the basketball game, they have to they have to figure out who to substitute in and maybe do a different play. That based good. on that player, what do you think? I Woo! think uh, that's perfect. No notes. No notes. Any notes, Arnie? I think that's a really good uh, explanation. Uh, yeah, I like that. And uh, I mean, maybe the other thing about the security-constrained economic dispatch is like th- there are rules on the field f- with what you can do with your players, right? And so you okay. are kind of trying to optimize the performance of your players subject to the market rules, which are the rules of the game. And so you can think about it with like football, for example. You can't send you know, four players out of the backfield running towards the front at the same time. You can only have one person in motion. And you have to have seven players on the, on the, on the line at any time. You have to quarterback all that stuff. So those might be the rules, and you're trying to optimize the performance of your players subject to not violating those rules. And like the coach is trying to to make sure his team is well situated and knows well enough those rules to bid in correctly and like develop the right plays, which are like bid structures to make sure you're optimizing how they're deployed. Yeah, each of your resources plays a different position. Right, each absolutely. Of them are doing different things, and your job is to figure out which how to deploy them in a way that makes the most of their strengths and leads to the greatest success as a team. I like this. Yeah. I like this. Are we getting somewhere with this? This is going way better than the first. So, one. so would the would the transmission piece be like the Ooh. coach really knowing the the field or the court or really understanding? You know, hey, yeah. So notoriously, it's, it's slippery. You could fall and <laughs> yeah. break your ankle. Yes. Be careful. And notoriously, like baseball stadiums are all differently sized, right? There's no standard baseball stadium. Yep. So in different baseball stadiums, you have different rules. Like you have different rosters optimized to your stadium and different calls. I don't know. You're the sports. You're, you're the know, baseball I, I person, aren't you? I think we won this one. I think, I think this was good. This was good. good. good we won this one. So you're saying those are all notable differences between... That's what you're saying. I'm, I'm here for it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, okay. Well, I have a third one. I have a third one, okay? The day-ahead market is where unit commitment occurs, which is analogous to setting starting lineups in sports leagues. Mm. Ultimately, you have, like, practice coaching and game planning that needs, like, throughout this period between long-term resource planning and the day-ahead unit commitment. And the security-constrained unit commitment is analogous to a good offensive or defensive coordinator coming up with game plans to put their starting lineups in positions for success. Things change after unit commitment, like injuries, after you set your starting lineup. But the day ahead markets are where you're doing all that resource setting and planning to set up for the game. That's the analogy. Where I'm where I want to learn more is in day ahead markets, we have prices. Mm. We come up with prices. Yep. And I'm trying to figure out how that compares. Like, is there an analog there in sports? Um I'm really yeah. curious. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe differ with that with that analogy just a little bit. Please, I think the day ahead market does all of those things. 
Okay. But then you also play part of a game at the day ahead. In fact, you play most of the game at the day ahead. It's sort of like you do all that pre-scheduling, you get your roster nominated, you get your lineups out there, everything submitted, and then you play like eight innings. And then you quit. And then you come back in real time and you play like the last inning during the operating hour. Is this like cricket? Is this a game that takes like five days? Cricket takes yeah. like five days, right? Well, we're just Am talking about day ahead. We're just talking about day ahead. One day. One day. Yeah, but still, it's like multi-day. <laughs> no, like the multiple day. It can start five days ahead. If you have a slow starting coal plant or a big nuke plant, you got to crank those things up slowly. So, yeah, maybe. So maybe it's like cricket? So and you add players as you go through time? I don't know how cricket works. And I apparently don't really know how. This is is actually really helpful. So you're saying part of the game is played in day ahead. Most of the game is played in day ahead, actually. The real-time market is just cleanup and residual. Most of the action happens at the day ahead. Okay, so so help me out with, like, convergence bidding and virtual bidding. That That is, like, closing out the game, like hedging the end of the game. So if it's, like, in cricket where you could score... Well, and, and maybe more than just virtual. But this whole concept, because this was my question to you too, Arnie, because I couldn't think of anything. But, uh, you know, this whole concept of in the day ahead market, you're setting up your, your day ahead financial position. And you can use virtuals. You can use congestion revenue rights. You bid in your, your load, your generation, your whole portfolio to, to set a position for hedging. And so, yeah, so how does that? Does that work? Yeah, but it's not just for hedging. I mean, you're spending most of hedging. your money is spent in the day ahead time period, and there's a little bit that you still have to spend at the real time. And the convergence bidding is there to try to make sure that those two things get, don't get too far out of whack. Okay. Right. So, so yeah, in a way, it's it's meant to limit the size of the real time market because that it helps to clean up some of that. So day ahead is really the game, and real time is just the residual. It's just the rest. Of I don't it. know how to react to that because I hadn't <laughs> thought of it. Uh, so now I need to rethink all of my analogies. Yeah, we got to do another podcast. Well, on this. Yes, I, actually, we should do yeah. another podcast. This is uh, at least fun for me. No, I don't know what about y'all. Clearly, we um, need Arnie to be part of our podcast. Yeah, and Jacob Mays. We need Jacob and Mays Jacob to be Mays. part of that. That would be fun. That would. That would be fun. He says that would be fun. That this. Would be fun. This is fun. That would be fun. That would okay. also be fun. That would also be fun. Uh, so the last one um, is to close it out on transmission because I think I'm, like. The analogy to transmission are stadiums. It's really complicated to fund the stadium. It's really complicated, rule, like politics on who pays for the stadium. Um, and I think that's a very analogous to transmission. It's also like where the game is all played on, uh, on this turf that we all share. That this finds the rules and the structure. Thoughts? Well, you know who who pays is. Who pays? <laughs> Is the you know multi-million dollar question? And Randy Howard did a great job of talking through like, hey, you know, we don't we don't want to share some of those costs of expensive transmission, and when there's new transmission built for the beneficiaries, and how does that all roll down? So, yeah, those are those are always really contentious topics. But um, you know, I think I think part of going into an organized day ahead market without going into an RTO where you where you centralize a lot of the transmission functions. I think another thing that we're thinking about that, you know, I was going to ask Arnie if he had any analogies or thoughts on um, was those who have invested into long-term firm transmission rights and have invested into the current transmission system. How do they maintain the value of that in an organized market? And I think that's that's a big part of the discussion when we're talking about 
you know, EDAM and Markets Plus. So we've got like the St. Louis Rams who have this nice NFL football stadium, but now they're the Los Angeles Rams. So what's St. Louis doing? Like they've invested in this transmission infrastructure. What are we doing here? What is St. Louis going to do? The Los Angeles Rams again, as I understand. Again, it. okay. That's a, that is a hard one. I mean, in the market, the way that you get compensated for your transmission, if you're a transmission provider, is you, in fact, turn it over and you get the auction revenues. You get this uh, sort of, uh, not, I don't know, it's permanent, but you get this sort of long-term uh, right to those revenues that come from selling your uh, transmission and effect into the market. So I don't know how to fit that into the sports analogy. I do think sometimes the sports doesn't work. I tried to tell Paul, but you know, sometimes, just, sometimes it, does. it doesn't work. But sometimes it does, and then it's helpful. I, mean, helpful. I do think that the stadiums as transmission, that can kind of work, because in effect you're bringing the product. This is where you're, you're bringing the product to your customers. They're all coming yeah. to the stadium, and this is where the, that final exchange kind of happens. So it's delivering the product right into where the customers are ready to receive it. Yeah, and I did think through, like, if we were using these analogies, are the customers like the fans of the sport where you're ultimately trying to come up with rules of the game that is entertaining to your fans yeah. and you're ultimately trying to come up with market paradigms to serve your customer load? Yeah. And in that framework, I thought maybe FERC was like the league office. Uh, like, I came up with a whole schema. I can see that, yeah. The commissioner's office making sure every team is playing by the rules and not yeah. signing players you're not supposed to sign. And yeah. Do we have anyone from FERC here? I don't, I don't, I don't think we do. So I think, I think we're not. good. We I think we're not. good. Scott Corrin's out there. Uh, he's he's uh, he's working on it. Okay, that is any uh, any. Did, are there any elements I missed that would make good sports analogies? You know, the one I thought of is something Joni brought up in her presentation is just the importance of like after the fact settlements and looking at data and all of that and feeding that into your plays for the next game. And so, you know, all the watching the video after the game and talking through, like, what did we do well? What did we not do well? And how do we how do we incorporate that so we play a better game next time? So, yeah. Also, all the data analytics around player performance, I think, is kind of maybe kind of analogous to the capacity construct and the accreditation that, that you brought up earlier. So there, you know, the, the player's batting average and their slugging percentage and their OPS, maybe that's the equivalent to their to their ELCC. It right? measures their effectiveness at meeting your team's uh, goals for the day, for the season. So, like, modern NBA teams got to do the warps and the florps and the, all of those and you can't advanced compete stats. These days, if you don't have a whole bunch of quants, young people that you hired and trained and invested in yes. uh, to help, and gave them a the satisfactory recruiting uh, from job banks, career, recruiting from banks and Facebooks and uh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Straighter, yeah. Did we call them straighters, I think? Straighters. Straighters. Yes. Straighters. straighters. We Terrific. need straighters. Yep. Help you figure out your NBA roster. Yes. But this has been wonderful. I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, I think we should do this again sometime, um, and then we can go deeper and differently, and we'll try to make our analogies better. But thank you for doing this. And apparently, this. Uh, Arnie needs a different uh, co-person with me. What was his name? No, not, not, not to replace you. You've done this twice. You could do it another time. Yeah, yeah, that and, uh, would be fun, and, th- and that would be a very different, different, uh, different discussion with Jacob. We'd get way down deep into the mechanics of capacity markets, so. which is wonderful. And I think we'd I think all be up for. I, I think, think there's none wonderful. of us that wouldn't love that, actually, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. And we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to do a rant wheel with Deborah Smith, as long as she can still stay. If I can what? If you can stay, are you going to stay? Oh, I
No, 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 still stay. I want you to stay. I know you have a deadline. No, we can't do that. Okay, so next up is a love it or leave it inspired rant wheel segment. Okay, this game is pretty simple. We spin a wheel that doesn't exist, but I we pretend it exists. It lands on a topic, and we rant about the topic. Now it's good. Are you on? We're all good. You're good. I can hear all of you. We have no no notes. It's wonderful. Are we good? Which one of us is making the wheel sound? It's right here. I got it on the soundboard. Oh, okay. All right. Wow, this is a professional outcome. Look at that. Sounds like a wheel on everything. Uh, And it's it's real. Yep. Um, So uh, instead of just a direct ripoff of Love It or Leave It, though, we're doing Cheers or Jeers, inspired by Crystal Ball, who wanted to have some positivity in our segment. Um, So we're joined by Deborah Smith, the CEO of Seattle City Light. Thank you. Applause. We gotta, yes, we got to make it make you feel special. And your boss. Yes. Yeah. yes I'm, uh, I work with you, not for you. You work though, with me. I work you with work you. You work for yourself. That's right. I work for you myself. You work for definitely. yourself, and you work with all of us. That's right. That's exactly right. It was a great message, actually, from this, this the lunch that you moderated. I thought that was a very helpful framing. Okay, so on the rant wheel that you all can imagine is behind me, we have some topics. Standardized battery geometry. Per kilowatt hour charges, binge-worthy TV, I want it now, cash that check, things executives say, and Gavin Newsom's text. So we're going to spin this wheel. It's going to land on a topic. Yes, and it landed on binge-worthy TV, I want it now. And is, uh, is there anyone that wants to binge? This is a Matt Shretnik, uh, the Matt Shretnik topic. Come, please, Matt. Uh, rant about binge-worthy TV. I want it now. Strong start. Thank you, Paul. Um, I, I like the cheers and jeers aspect of this. The, uh, uh, so m- my complaint is basically the, the move of streaming providers from giving you all of the episodes that you want to watch of, an, of, a, of something you want to watch at the same time so you can binge through it on the rare occasion that you happen to have some free time when you have two children at home. Um, under what age? Yeah, under four and a half, I suppose, at this point. Under five, at least. Um, but no, now well, I subscribe they... to all of these streaming profiles so that I don't have to wait for things to come out. Yep, so that yep. I don't have to wait. I don't have to watch commercials. And instead, dribs and drabs. They're going to make me Once wait. Once a week. Weekly basis. I've got to plan my time at this point. It's, it's not terrible. possible. Can I just say it concerns me that he doesn't know how old his children are? Let's just start it with that. doesn't concern me at all. It doesn't you said under what age? I'm yeah. usually asked how old are they. I can answer that question. Yeah, no, I, it doesn't concern me at all, actually. I, it, it, you, get a fog. you get a fog. You know how old your children are, Paul? I have a good sense of how old they are. Mm. Uh, and, and I yeah. don't judge Matt at all for this. I appreciate I just, it. I just, I'm like, they're this tall. Mm-hmm. And that was it. That was the whole line. That yeah. was the, great, great that for was the, the punch line. Great for the audio medium. Thank you. <laughs> but I agree with Matt that we we deserve to get more episodes at once. I mean, this so is what could... this is the expectation that was established when I started subscribing to these yes. streaming profiles or pl- platforms, what have you. And now it's being taken away from me, and I resent that. I a want great, it now. A great example is Yellowstone. I'm super annoyed with the whole Yellowstone. See, I'm not alone here. Yes, I think that's the right take. You should be annoyed. I blame it on Game of Thrones, actually. I think they like reintroduce this on a streaming platform like once a week. 
and now these other forums want to do it too. I mean, HBO has always been there, and they're all they've always done their own thing, and whatever, that's fine. Now that Netflix is trying to like you know make me do things on, I want my baking show now. Damn it, this is not okay. I have I, so I have a proposal. Like, what about daily? So they obviously no. want to, yeah. Because no, on the I, rare I, occasion, again, that I have a block of free time where I can watch something, fair. I want to be able to watch it. Fair. I agree with you. There's no way you can use all of this. Yeah, well all done, right. well done. Hey, well can done, we Matt. just have a quick vote? Uh, you can vote whatever you want. We're also going to have to move on. Okay, we're ready. We're going to spin the rant wheel. We're going to spin it again. And it's going to land, or it might, I don't know. Anyway, we're going to land on things executives say. This is a Deborah Smith. I think you Ooh. submitted this one. Things executives say. You know, thanks. Thank you. Uh, I don't remember submitting this, but, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Um, I'm going to accept that for you as your first day of employment. That that was that that, that was truthful. It's you can say whatever you want, and okay, it'll be a so thing an executive says. Executive say. Um, what's your answer? Why are you here? Are you kidding me? <laughs> what the? Uh, what's the solution? Well, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, Executive uh, say Why did nice? you hire Paul? That's a great question. Oh, no, that's, that's a, a great question. <laughs> Uh, I would say, do executives say anything nice? Like, good oh, job? Yeah. yeah. Executives say a lot of Hi. nice things. Like, this is amazing. I love you. I say I love you. I have a belief that all employees have a right to work for someone who loves them. I mean, you don't have to love them in a love them way. But I love my employees. So I say I love them. Uh, what else? I think... Um, this is super exciting. How can we connect this to X? Um, have you talked to Y? What do they think? Um, are you kidding? <laughs> and what the... What the... Yeah. Yes, you nailed it. I actually don't say that. Because in Seattle, you would never say that. You would never say that. You would never actually think that in Seattle. I try not to think that. I sometimes do, but I try not to. And I believe you, and I won't think it either. And I hope so. Yeah. It'll be wonderful. We're going to spin it again. Are you ready? Okay, let's spin it again. Imagine it's spinning behind me. Just imagine it. It's a beautiful graphic that I didn't take too long to build. It's fine. We're next. It landed on per kilowatt hour charges. Almaz, what? What? Uh, what? Take it away. I, yeah. <clears throat> so, I I think that the, you know per kilowatt hour charges volumetric rates are absolutely outdated, and we should get rid of them. Um, so, I remember when I was a kid. Um, I, my best friend lived in Philadelphia, and I'd call her in the middle of the night because that's when it was cheap. Because you know, long distance <laughs> yep. phone calls cost money. Um, we don't do that anymore, and it's a better world for it. And I think it's long time. Yes, it's 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 for a number of different reasons. Um, it's no longer appropriate for us to rely so heavily on volumetric rates, especially as we're moving with more um, renewable energy. It just doesn't make sense anymore. So I think they need to go. Um, I have ideas for alternatives. 
but I think it'll make an enemy out of me, and I don't want these folks to be my enemy, so I'll keep it to myself for now <laughs> until I'm ready to have some, some enemies. So can I ask that you please share those with Paul in an offline conversation, he is, and, since so, he so is he, my newest uh, employee? That's right. I'm a great listener. And, uh, you won't make an enemy out of me, Almaz. I guarantee that. That's all right. And he, and we'll he promises not to copy anything that you tell him, but he might. That's okay. I want it to be shared widely and actually implemented, so by all means. Can I just say, like, as, as a reporter, having covered these conversations before and as a still, I, after five years, I still like, feel like a complete newcomer to this industry. It is complicated, y'all. Um, I, having covered the question about volumetric fixed rates uh, debate, I have never understood why people are not running as fast as they can to fixed rate or fixed charge uh, structures. Volumetric just makes less and less sense, it seems like, and yeah, I I guess it's just uh, inertia. Yeah. Well, 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 I was going to say, for the record, I wasn't exactly advocating for fixed charges, for utilities increasing fixed charges. So it's not even that. So use your imagination. Yes, I, it's not popular. So I agree, Dan, because I think that our current rate structures, if nothing else, are anything but equitable. So as we continue to load every charge imaginable onto the P per KWH charge, um, folks who can't afford to move to solar panels, et cetera, pay more and more. Exactly. And that's another one of my fundamental issues with KWH charges. Apparently we're done. Great rant. No, that was a ding. That was a yes. That's right. That was a yes. That, that, that's the that yes. That sounded like move along. That's the yeah. no. I thought that was a, okay. This so is the move along. Done hearing okay. from me. That's the move along. Are we ready? Are we ready? We are. No, I can go on on per kilowatt hour. I could go on with rate design for hours. Don't get me wrong. I love that well, stuff. We're going to talk later. Paul. Let's do it. Okay, we're going to spin the rant wheel. Let's imagine it's spinning. Imagine it's spinning. Oh, it came up with cash that check. Cash that check submitted by Crystal Ball. Crystal Ball, cash that check. It's your turn. Come on up. Cash that check. Cash that check. All right. So, uh, Matt, <laughs> you have to come up here and help with, with this. Because, um, Matt, thank you. It's it's set for you, She's though. short. <laughs> I'm telling part personality, though. Yeah. Yeah, big uh, on personality. So, you said you were going to do the rant wheel, and I was like, well, that's okay, but we need to do something positive. Absolutely. And, Matt, you said kind of... Yeah, you 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 said you'd asked Crystal for some rants, and I said that that's not going to work. She's too positive. Yep, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Seattle, Matt, in Seattle, uh, Paul, Thank we you. have rants and raves. Rants and raves. Rants, rants and, and raves. Oh. You'll get used to that after Cheers you've moved north. Okay, rants okay. And raves. yeah, rants and waves is maybe raves. Oh, raves. Raves. I got it. I got it. Rants and raves. Okay, so this is the rave, and it really Go goes it. with the theme today, I think, because lots of the panelists brought this up. There is incredibly amount of money from the federal government for clean energy um, infrastructure. So lots of money and um, support for um, the challenges that we face in our industry. And so that's why I thought it was a big cheer. So go cash that check. Go cash that check. Cash that check. There's a lot of funding available for new energy infrastructure. It's a great opportunity in our region and the nation. So there's there's my positivity. 
And there's lots of, like, we need to do this to advantage our communities and make it uh, provide lower cost, more reliable service. If we don't cash that check, somebody else is going to cash that check, right? We have to chase that money. Chase that money. Yes. And it's all for resiliency and new infrastructure. And this is going to allow us to make this transition safely, affordably, and reliably. That's right. Yep. Okay. Cash your check. Check, Deborah. Cash that check. Bam. Do you have a cash register sound? I don't. I don't have a cash register sound. I got a typewriter. I only have eight seconds. I'm sorry. How many of us once worked with a cash register? Did you ever have a job where you had to work with a cash register? I did. Yes, I did. At a gas station. A gas station. Gas station? Yeah. Nope. Never. Never? Well, good for you. (laughs) Dan? Uh, Sure. A bunch of restaurants, uh, ice cream shop. Best job I ever had. Awesome. I was yeah. a car hop, so there you go. Perfect. A what? Car hop. What's a car hop? Do you remember that? You're a little young for that. Like a I worked in an A and W drive-in, and I wore, I roller skated to oh, my yeah That's to cool. my victims. That's cool. <laughs> Which you can still go to Burger Master yes, in Seattle can. and yeah. Larry's Chicken out in Wenatchee. Which is pretty cool if you think about it. Yeah. Larry's Chicken in Wenatchee. We're getting new customers. Oh, it's amazing. Tonight. Okay. Okay, we're going to spin that wheel, and it landed on Gavin Newsom's texts. Gavin Newsom's texts. That was you, Dan. Uh, you want to rant about so, Gavin Newsom's yeah, texts? Yeah, so September 6th, uh, you know, I'm sure as some of you might have heard, uh, California set a new record for load, 52 gigawatts, uh, breaking its load by 2,000 megawatts. Uh, and it got to the point where Gavin Newsom, well, the Office of Emergency Services sent out a text message to millions of Californians saying, hey, can you turn the AC down so we don't, you know, crash the grid? And a lot of the coverage, um, and look, I'm a newspaper man or former newspaper man. I, like, people knock media, but a lot of the the coverage and what uh, state officials talked about was, hey, look, Californians saved the day. We kept the lights on because we... Uh, you know, reduced reduced demand and batteries, but that added up to like six thousand megawatts. Well, because of all these other factors, they got like everything worked in their favor, including about eight thousand megawatts being uh, imported from the Northwest. Because only because we'd had a late wet spring and early summer, and so we had the water had the storage, uh, were able to generate and send it down there. In a typical year, maybe they get half of that. Um, and they're, So instead of it being like klaxons going off, wake-up call, they're like, we saved the day because we turned the AC up, down. I still think there are klaxon going, klaxons going off and warning signs, though. Don't you think? I, also I, yeah, Elliot like, Mainzer, maybe, but he's... He yeah. might be the. I think he's probably pulling his hair out. Um, yeah, I would expect all of those. I don't know. I, I, so I, I, I was part of the Kaiso symposium recently, and what I can say is that yes, they pulled it off. That was great, and but all of us believe that um, using Amber Alert to meet a resource inadequacy, thankfully, it worked. It doesn't work in the long term, and I think the um, the burden still remains on California to do more than the 2,000 megawatts of battery storage that they added between 2020 and now. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like they almost they, they hit a hole in one uh, to yeah. to keep the lights on, and you can't rely on hitting a hole in one to exactly. keep the lights on. Exactly, exactly. Like we're good. Well, you still celebrate the hole in one. It's okay to celebrate I the hole in one. I finally understood one of your sports analogies. Yes, success. <laughs> no, first one. Yeah. I hit both buttons, and it worked. It was actually that was good. a good one. Yeah, that's pretty good. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Deborah. We got one more, I think. One more rant. Are you still time? To, you, I'm okay. I've got time for one more okay. rant. It landed on standardized battery geometry. This is my rant, okay? I have a Greenworks leaf blower. I got the Greenworks leaf blower because it was on sale at Costco, and my wife got me a Greenworks leaf blower. Now, all of the landscaping battery-powered equipment I'm going to get Guess what? It's going to be Greenworks because I have the battery and it only fits in the Greenworks stuff. It doesn't have to be this way. We can choose to do it differently. We can choose. We have agency in this to standardize battery geometry. You know what a AAA battery is? It's standard. You can use a AAA battery from what you could just go buy a AAA battery and use it in all of this other electronic equipment. We can do this for landscape equipment. We can do it for power tools. I don't have to rely on a Milwaukee tool because I bought a Milwaukee tool because it was for sale. Now all of my tools have to be Milwaukee tools. We are captive because of geometry. And guess what? We don't have to be. And that is my rant. I think it is ridiculous and I want to standardize battery geometry. And charging cables. And charging cables. A great analog too. Same as... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> or even phone chargers. Or phone chargers. Yes, we can do this. We can standardize this geometry. It's just a so, geometry so issue. So, let's do it. Yes, we have agency, Deborah. We have agency. We can make it happen. We can insist. I, we were so close. We were so close to ending seasonal time change. We were so close. It passed the Senate. I could never be as disappointed. Anyway, we are going to get into that rant because Dan and I are on different sides of that, and we need to close out the episode because Deborah has to. Deborah has to go. Deborah has to go. She's got to catch a flight. She's heading north to see. Catch a flight. I'm going to close out the episode uh, with some outro. But thank you, Deborah, for participating in the rant wheel. Well done. I I just. It's going to keep going. You can, okay. you, you, I'd just like to say for our audience, Paul, I'm officially disappointed that during your sports analogies, you didn't use any World Cup analogies. Yeah, I just don't. The All I know about soccer is from Ted, Ted Lasso. Lasso. Yeah. That's all I know. And that was out of touch. Okay, that's all we have for our live recording tonight. A wonderful job, Amaz, Dan. Uh, Doug, if you're still around, I appreciate Matt. Thanks for coming on, Crystal. Um, thanks to Arnie and Laura and Deborah for participating. I hope you all feel valued and appreciated. I hope this was enjoyable um, and not just an indulgence for my own entertainment. Today is my first day working for Seattle City Light. So make sure you thank Siobhan for hiring me and uh, for protecting me from Deborah firing me twice today. Uh, thanks to Deborah for being working with me. Um, and uh, it, you can probably express your condolences later to them for me joining their team. Uh, but please thank them for letting us do this tonight. Um, and thanks to all our guests. Um, I, I do want to say the views expressed here are own and not the official views of Seattle City Light, News Data, or any of the other guests associated with Public Power Underground. Tacoma Power. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Omas. Yeah. 
You know I value and appreciate you, right? I do. I do. Yeah. But I was going to say, I'm on sabbatical, so even though I don't speak for total power. That's right. <laughs> We're going to close it out. Ready? You don't have to do anything. You yeah. literally have to do nothing. You, you just have to like not interrupt me. Yeah, I'm okay. making sure you are going to. Okay, we're good. Public Power Underground for electric utility enthusiasts. Public Power Underground, it's work to watch. Public Power Underground is a production of Klatsky and IPUD and News Data. The views expressed to our own and not the official views of Klatsky and IPUD and News Data or the organization of the guests also appearing on Public Power Underground. Public Power Underground is electric utility and electric utility adjacent news from a power department's perspective. It's written by Paul Dockery, Dan Catchpole, and Abigail Sawyer, and it's edited and published by the Stellar team at Pioneer Utility Resources, led by associate producer Sarah Wooden. Our theme song, Roll On Enthusiast, was rewritten, performed, and recorded by Aaron Guillory and Ian Bledsoe. That's all for this week. Thanks for tuning in.